Welcome to the Career Pivot Podcast. I'm Beck Sands and I help people pivot into careers or businesses that they love. This podcast is an interview series with people that have successfully pivoted their careers so that you can feel inspired to do the same. I believe that everyone deserves to do work that they love and to feel fulfilled, driven, and know that they are making a positive impact on the world. Now, let's get into the episode. Lauren Quaintance is co-founder of award-winning content marketing agency, Storiation. She pivoted into this business after building a successful career in journalism. She was general manager of travel for Fairfax Media in Australia, a reporter for the Sunday Times in London, and she covered the 9-11 attacks in New York, for which she won a New York Foreign Press Association scholarship. Lauren was named Entrepreneur of the Year at the 2018 BNT Women in Media Awards and has been named one of the top 15 women in the world in content marketing. Now let's dive into the interview. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to have you on. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Um, So let's talk about your incredible career. Um, I've had a bit of a glimpse into it from uh, the speech that you sent me that you gave to your school last year. And you've had such an incredible uh, experience and some, some real career pivots yourself. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, in a way, I, I guess I'm the person, you know, least likely to to pivot in the sense that I knew what I wanted to do when I was 11 years old. I decided I was going to become a journalist and I, I even joined the local newspaper as a kind of a cub reporter, if you like, on a, a program they had called Children's Express. And we used to run around with these little t-shirts on that would say Children's Express and we would be interviewing the Prime Minister of, of New Zealand about children's rights and so I just had this this really clear view of where I was going from a very early age. Um, so that's why I say I'm in a way the, the person most um, you know most likely to have gone on and had that career for their whole lives and probably the person that, that my my classmates would have said was least likely to to go in different directions. But you know, I guess life gets in the way and you have you know, had this sort of my this clear view in your teens and even your 20s. But by the time you're in your 30s, I find for a lot of people, they're kind of reassessing and rethinking um, what they what they want out of their lives. And for me, I guess I feel like I've had a sort of a mini pivot within my career as a journalist initially. And then I had a sort of a major pivot out of journalism into content marketing um, about seven years ago. I guess the mini pivot in a way um, happened not long after I won a scholarship um, to go to New York and to do a master's degree in journalism at Columbia University. I'd been working as a journalist for you know, probably six or seven years. This was sort of a mid-career thing. Um, I sort of thought I would be going to New York and I would get, um, you know, I'd get this big job on one of the American magazines and, you know, my, my career which, you know, had been going quite well until that point in terms of awards and, and jobs in this part of the world would um, sort of naturally sort of flow on. Um, but six weeks after I got to New York, um, September 11 happened, and I found myself in the middle of that. And in a way, that's that's kind of what led to the first um, mini pivot um, in that I found myself there, um, you know, reporting on the day in what was, you know, I guess, um, in, in retrospect, a pretty traumatic experience where um, we journalists were sort of crowded around um, the blocks around 
ground zero um, after the first two towers had fallen for the day and we were kind of interviewing firefighters and the odd um, survivor, the odd priest who would say it was Armageddon. Um, and then later in the day, um, World Trade Centre 7, which was uh, one of the other buildings, which to put it in context was bigger than the largest building in my hometown of Wellington in New Zealand, um, fell right in front of my eyes. And the the firefighters were, I was at the time on a payphone um, reporting live for television New Zealand, New Zealand. And the firefighters just screamed at me, you know, run, just run. So I dropped the phone um, mid sentence and started running. And this, this building was falling behind me with all this debris and, and clouds of smoke. And I managed to somehow escape being, you know, hurt during that. And I kept walking for miles that evening to find a subway that was working to get home. And um, I got on a subway car, one of the first subways to to go after what had happened that morning. And a man came up to me and said, I'm an asbestos inspector and you're covered head to toe in asbestos um, and you need to go home and, and burn your clothes right now. <laughs> and it was oh just like the gosh. final... <laughs> just like the final straw in, in a really extraordinary day. And I guess at the time I didn't really know how that would affect me. I, I was quite in a way, I knew that there's something uh, I felt a bit traumatized because I would burst into tears um, when I saw sort of softy billboards, <laughs> but you know, you, you do us proud New York, New York, you know, those sort of things that were, you know, on the streets after in the months after September 11, I would yeah. regularly sort of burst into tears in the street. And so I guess there was some sort of traumatic after effect of that. But I went on to London to be a journalist at the Sunday Times. Um, and then I was on standby to go to the Iraq war to report on Iraq. And I I guess it was all this time I was starting to, I was now about close to 30 and I was just starting to really reconsider if that's what I wanted to do in my life, if I wanted to put myself in harm's way and how was that all going to be compatible um, with a family. So I did what I think I recall in the first mini pivot. I came back to um, New Zealand and then to Australia where I got into more, I guess, um, you know, lifestyle journalism. I edited magazines. Um, um, you know, they were like the Sydney magazine, um, which was um, inserted in the Sydney Morning Herald and kind of got into things that were um, a lot less life threatening for a start. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And I remember you, I remember you as the editor of the Sydney magazine when I started my PR career like 13 years ago it was it oh, was yeah. like around then right yes yeah that'd be right yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and um yeah so it's yeah you've had an amazing career but anyway sorry continue I'm enjoying yeah no that's and that's that's the sort of I guess that's that's quite different from right chasing um people smugglers um for the Sunday times or going yeah. to right well, it, was, it was quite different. more pleasant I think yeah, yeah yeah and so there was sort of that and that sort of led me into more kind of commercial roles. I mean, in those roles, you're closer to the advertising side of the business in media companies. You you have to really start to understand the business of media. And that's, I guess, what started to interest me more than the straight journalism. I started to be really interested in the intersection of, of, of the kind of strategy of a media company, but also um, also working with clients and, and figuring out how we created content for them that um, met their kind of marketing objectives um, on our platforms. And I guess that's what led me down the path of, of the second pivot, um, which was um, to launch a content marketing agency seven years ago. Wow. And for, so for, for any journalists listening, um, I think the, the one obvious question would be, do you find, like having come from that real kind of hardcore journalism background and then working for such high profile publications, 
like, do you find it as rewarding uh, in your own business and in content marketing itself? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think a lot of journalists wouldn't have gone down this route. I think it really is that um, I had that exposure by, by, by as the as editor of a magazine, you are very much in a kind of a commercial facing role. And that's when I realised that I did actually want something beyond the pure reporting and the pure journalism as much I I love the craft of it and I love the craft of writing. Um, you know, that was using different parts of my brain. There is a sort of a, it's not just, um, oh, we need to sell them more ads. It's really, it's, it's actually solving a strategic problem for, in some cases, for the media company. So, you know, I, I was pulled into working groups at Fairfax that were looking at, you know, the paywall and we'd have Bain Consulting and come in and look at what the whole future of the business was. And I was really lucky to be on the inside of some of those, um, you know, small teams seconded to them for months at a time to try and figure out some of the, the business side for Fairfax Media. Um, but I also equally enjoyed for clients when they would have a, um, you know, I guess a challenge like, you know, with Tourism Australia would come to us and say, at the time, we can't get Australians to um, travel in Australia. Um, yeah, if only they'd known what was going to come, um, pandemic of 2020. Oh, but um, <laughs> yeah. at the time, you could fly to Bali very cheaply, um, and they had this big challenge. Of like, well, at the time, they were they wanted to target domestic audiences. How did they get them to travel in Australia? And I really enjoyed the challenge of breaking down that problem, understanding who the audience was, you know, what their kind of motivations would be and what kind of content would appeal to them that will actually motivate some change in their behaviour. So I guess that's where I made that that shift from straight media to, to using the skills of journalism and media in a marketing context. Yeah, and I think that journalism, it's, you know, it's such an amazing, incredible skill to be able to have to storytell. And I think it's so transferable into so many different things as well. Like whatever you want to do, it's like, you know, just being having the ability to really think that clearly. Um, I think a lot of, you know, like journalists can do that. And I don't, you know, I, I think it is a, a really niche skill. Mm, I think it's interesting. I think there's, I mean, I just think one of the things that I found sort of as a business owner, um, that if I think about the skills that come from journalism, I mean, curiosity is a big one, right? Like just being um, interested in how things work, asking questions and knowing how to ask the right questions, you know, and I've been um, you know, thinking about this recently in relation to, to boards and, um, you know, and, NED, um, non-executive director type roles, you know, curiosity is one of the really critical factors. Um, and so journalists, you know, have, have an enormous amount of that. They also are, you know, by their nature, um, generalists, they, they, they know a lot about a lot of different industries often, you know, you may have worked as the, you know, housing reporter for the New Zealand Herald as I did. So you're deeply entrenched in, in, in kind of issues around housing and public housing, you know, and then two years later, you were the education reporter and you had to kind of really <laughs> dig down into that subject. So, so you actually have an enormous amount of knowledge about, you know, quite a few different things, but critically, you just know how to ask questions, how to draw out information. I think that's a skill that you can take into all sorts of different areas. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny when you were saying that um, I was just thinking about PR and like I could, I pretty much have worked on every single topic that you could imagine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like some really really random stuff like I can't yes. even like from a candle brand to like you know to to match.com to like to tech to oh, just everything everything yeah. you can imagine I've definitely worked on <laughs> I can imagine that and you just get used to sort of saying sure I'll figure it out I mean you don't you always don't balk at that you just kind of like and, and actually that's been incredibly helpful in business as well you know sometimes just some really you know some challenges from clients or some types of clients come 
come you know through the door and, and at first you're like oh wow I'm not sure if we can do that but you know I guess you know fake it till you make it we we have always taken on board those challenges and always figured them out and I think um, a lot of that confidence comes from having had the kind of career I guess that you are just jumping in and out of different topics you know you kind of just figure out the problem and figure out enough about the about the industry and the challenge to to kind of credibly create um, content around it. Yeah. So, okay. So for most of my listeners are probably like more at the stage where they're, you know, in a, in a career or in a role where they know it's not quite right, or they're not feeling challenged or fulfilled, but they're just not sure what the next step is going back. Like, cause I know you've got an established business now, like an incredible agency going back, like what, um, you know, what was the thought process that, that got you out of Fairfax and into your own business? Um, and what were the first step, like some of the first steps that you took to gain clarity on what you wanted to do? Yeah, I think that it's, it's an interesting question. And I think probably, to be honest, I was probably thinking about it for about two years um, at Fairfax. What, what, what hurried me along is that I was in an industry that was, you know, experiencing massive um, digital disruption. And as a manager and leader, um, it's quite wearying. Leading people through, you know, successive rounds of, of change um, is really difficult and restructuring. Um, and in the end, you know, even my role was being restructured and I could take a different path at Fairfax or a another media company, but I just saw that as an opportunity um, you know, to jump out. I was also five months um, pregnant with my second child um, at the time that I left Fairfax. So in a way, it was kind of like this crazy um, leap of faith. And I would just say to anybody who's who's thinking about it that at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do on the inside of one of those jobs. You know, there's only so much time and, and headspace and there's nothing quite like thinking how you're going to pay the mortgage in the next month to motivate you to actually just plunge in and um, and figure it out. I'd say one of the best things that I did was realising, you know, my own limitations and skills. And in our case, you know, we, we didn't want to be, um, I, I launched Storiation with a business partner, Mimi Cullen, and um, that's been the biggest um, the sort of most um, helpful decision that that I made was to go into partnership with her because it's about realizing your own limitations um, and your own skill set and really looking at that and analyzing, you know, what I want to do. Can I do this on my own? Do I have all of this the required skill set? If you know, if I want to launch a, you know, um, you know, if I want to watch launch a business selling hats, you know, do I know anything about? distribution do I know anything about um, production or, or do I just know marketing and is that going to be enough and how can I can I kind of buy in some of that um, skill set or do I need um, a business partner or partners to actually get me where I need to go so that was the best decision I made was going into business with Mimi because our our skills are complementary they aren't um, they don't overlap um, they probably have overlapped more as we've gone on over the years um, you know she for someone who is from a commercial background is incredibly good um, at the content side now. Um, and, um, you know, I've probably got better at sales. Um, I've, I've always had an element of um, commercial in my more recent roles. I, I knew how to manage a PL um, at Fairfax. I was managing, you know, large um, PLs, and so I was responsible for those. So I would think really hard about what your what the skill set that you need to achieve what you need to achieve. Um, and then I would take the plunge because I think at the end of the day, you can only um, do so much from from inside a corporate job and you just have to really, you know, take a step out and, and know that if it doesn't work out in six months, you could go back to that type of job. 
Yes, I agree so much. So one question I wanted to ask you just on what you said. Um, so going through that massive digital disruption, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, are in that position right now because there's so many different industries and particularly with COVID, it's just sped everything up. Mm. Um, and like you, you obviously had a leadership role, but, you know, anyone in any role I think is feeling that disruption. What were some of the the things that I guess, you know, you would have gone through it this year as well, but, but going back um, to your initial di- digital disruption as well, what were some of the ways that you dealt with that? That's an interesting question. I think, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of it, I think I felt, um, you know, like this is just a challenge, you know, there's, you know, it's going to be a path um, through this. And I think um, what I described before about it getting to be more wearying, I think that's what actually brought me down the end is not so much the disruption itself, but but I, I think about things that actually um, were just really difficult for the teams I was leading with things like, you know, um, at VFX Media, they would do things like, you know, oh, this week we're changing the um, payroll system and, um, you know, because it's going to save X amount of dollars. You know, next week you're moving floors again because we're actually renting out a floor to Google, which was always one of the great ironies um, that they rented out floors in the Fairfax Media building to Google. Yeah, um, over in Piermont, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. Or we're changing your email system to Gmail. And so all of these kind of these things were what people, the day the people on the ground found really difficult. So I think that I think that's the bit that, that actually um was wearying in the end. I, I, I mean, I felt like the digital disruption was a kind of a, you know, in a way there, there was a massive strategic challenge and I quite enjoyed being involved in, in things like, you know, you know, if we if we build a payable, what is that going to look like? And, you know, what are the things that are actually going to, you know, kind of how, how can we rethink this business from the inside out? I think it depends your degree of, um, you know, sort of involvement in that and how you, you know, how invested you feel in, in having a, a role in the in the path the business is taking, you know, that really affects how you personally feel about it. Whereas if you're perhaps, um, you know, just, you know, you're kind of just a soldier in a big business and it feels like it's all, you know, falling to pieces and they haven't really involved you in the solutions, then, then that can be kind of um, distressing. So I think for me, it was more that I, that the management side of it, I found um, tiring because people were finding it tiring. But I, if I, if I had just stayed in a role, maybe where I was just working on the strategy for the business, that, that could have still um, been okay for me. Yeah. And look, I think that these things, I mean, if, as hard as they are, sometimes like these things happen um, for the best, because it's like a catalyst, right. To push you into almost like switching things up and, and, really fulfilling your potential. Um, and I find like well, with pretty much everyone that I've interviewed on this podcast, there's always been a catalyst and whether it's like, you know, um, like just, you know, the fact of maternity, going on maternity leave and having kids mm. or, um, you know, an internal restructure that really made them question whether or not they wanted to still be there. But sometimes it's like something has to push you out of your comfort zone because it can get really comfortable working for a business. <laughs> That's right. I mean, in a way, those catalysts are a gift, aren't they? It's harder if you're sitting in an organisation, as some of your listeners might be now, not totally happening, but no, and you're sort of waiting for a catalyst to come along. You're kind of like, well, could someone just restructure the team so I could have a reason to do it? You know, like, you know that there's something more out there for you, but but you haven't, um, you know, you're kind of waiting for a sign to do it. Um, I think that's more, you know, more difficult in a way because, you know, the years can roll past. And I think that's, um, you know, those, those are precious years if you're if you're looking to kind of rebuild um, your career or, or go in a different direction. 
Oh, totally. And I think it's a big flag if you're if you're sitting there going, please make me redundant. <laughs> it's like flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, awesome. So what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced when um, you know, when you stepped into your own business? Um, obviously like having a small child would have been one of those <laughs> at the same time. Um, but yeah, like and, and how did you overcome those challenges? I think that that was certainly a challenge. I think, I mean, obviously there's the obvious one of having no income um, whatsoever and and not really knowing when you are going to have any. Um, And then, you know, obviously I had a a brand um, new baby. I was, when we actually launched the business, my baby was 10 days old. So, you know, officially launched. So there was that, I mean, that was, that was sort of, that was difficult and, and, and made it easier. It meant that the, the photos for our website could only be taken from the waist up because, um, uh, you know, I was still <laughs> had a significant <laughs> pregnant belly and, um, there were things, you know, practical things, but, but on the other hand, it meant, you know, um, and it was my second child. So I was, you know, I was kind of a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of au fait with the sleeping and all those things. I couldn't have done it with my first baby because I was still walking around in my, um, dressing ground crying when the baby was three months old. So, but with with my second, I was like I had my older child was was um, at preschool, and um, you know he slept long stretches during the day. If he didn't, he was sort of happy sitting in a little um, you know kind of cot beside the uh, desk in my spare room where Mimi and I would kind of work out the business plan and and, and work out um, the clients that we were targeting. Um, I think you know some of the some of the the challenges. I think on retrospect, you know, we, we did do a business plan. I think that was really important work, but then there's a certain point that you kind of just need to get on and get your first client. Um, and, you know, there's, it's tempting to spend, you know, months on your website and perfecting your, you know, kind of social media posts and your, Oh my God, procrastinate branding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And then there's, you know, and, and, and it's at the end of the day, Yes, if you're building a business, that brand is important. But and all those stuff, that, that's the fun stuff. I get it. But at the end of the day, if you're not getting on in the first, you know, month or two to looking, um, you know, f- you know, for those clients and for that revenue, um, it's going to be a long time coming. I mean, I think for us, you know, we we may have had our, you know, first paying client after four or five months, and, um, you know, could we've got it sooner? Maybe if we'd spent less time on the website, I'm not sure. Or if I didn't have a 10 month old baby, but that would be my number one piece mm. of advice is just focus on that first client. Just get them in the door, learn what you can from them, learn from the mistakes you make and, and keep moving. I love that so much. Cause that's exactly what I tell my clients when they're like, when I help them, you know, I guess, step into consulting roles, not necessarily start, you know, businesses or bricks and mortar businesses per se, but just go out on their own as freelance consultants, because that's the key thing, right? Like it doesn't matter if you've got a website or not, if you've got no clients, then you don't have a business and you don't have income. And so you'll have to get a job. So it's like, just go out, speak to people in your network, um, like get your first clients and then you can work on your website and everything like that as you go. So true. So true. Um, So what would you say to someone that has been sitting on the fence for a while. Maybe like they've been like, okay, I want to do my own thing, but it's been, you know, the years have rolled past. Um, you know, what would you say to them if they're feeling a little bit stuck? Well, I think, I mean, I think what I said earlier about just taking that leap, and I know that that's that's, that's easier said than done, right? It's it's a hard thing to do. Um, that you do there's nothing quite like the motivation of, of being out on the other side and having to make it work. I think that, you know, you, you, before you do that, everything you can do is obviously look at your skill set as I, as I talked about, you know, if you, if you were, 
you know, are you going out on your own? What are the kind of areas um, that that might be missing? I think probably for women, um, or for actually all business owners, really, I think, you know, that kind of financial acumen and really understanding, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, businesses live and die on cash flow. And if you don't understand what cash flow is and how to manage it, then that's going to be a massive obstacle um, to your success. So I think, you know, you could do some short courses around um, finance. It's the one I'd recommend over everything else. Um, and I think that you can talk, you know, you shouldn't underestimate the generosity of people to give you their time. Um, if you, you know, ask someone if they would give you 20 minutes to talk about what they, um, you know, the, the five things they would recommend you do. Um, I think that's, you know, something you shouldn't underestimate it all people people will be very helpful but at a certain point you just have to make that you have to have the courage to take the leap totally and that's what yeah like getting an accountant if you have a business getting an accountant that's like the first thing <laughs> you don't want to get in trouble with the tax man <laughs> no absolutely not no you need a good accountant <laughs> yeah totally so what's one book that's made a massive impact for you in relation to you know your business or finding finding and pursuing your passion well, for me, it's a bit controversial, but um, I really did enjoy um, Lean In by Cheryl Sandberg. And, and she got a lot of flag, right? I mean, I, and I get it because, you know, she essentially wrote a book, which a lot of people interpreted as her saying um, she's a CEO of Facebook. And they sort of interpreted her as saying, well, even if you've got small kids, just get over it and and get on with it. Um, and she was sort of coming from a position of enormous privilege in a way. She's, you know, wealthy and she could hire all the nannies she wanted. It wasn't so much the stuff about work-life balance that I took from the book, but more than some of the things that she talked about, about how women have been held back by um, some of their own, some of the own, some of the other mythology that goes on around women. Like she talked quite a lot about um, how she felt when she was called bossy as a child and, you know, that being bossy was a bad thing and all of those sorts of things. And then how in the workplace we know things like, you know, men will apply for roles when they have, you know, kind of, um, you know, something like 60% of the skills, but women will wait till they've got 90% of the skills um, before they even apply. So all of that stuff about just being heard at the table and how, you know, some of the stuff that that holds women back um, in the workplace or, or in selling their own businesses, I think it, it applies both whether you're in a corporate environment or you're a consultant or you're you're sort of in a startup or a business. And so I think that, yeah, I find, I find it really influential. And I just think, you know, there are times when I still pick that book up and um, it's kind of, as I said, sort of subsequently, um, it's one of those books that sort of, you know, um, has been really, uh, you know, kind of torn down by a lot of people. But I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. I agree. I haven't read the whole thing. I know of it. Like I've read articles about it and I know what you're mm -hmm. talking about, but um yeah, I agree. I think unfairly criticised and I think a lot of women that are high profile in the public are overly criticised. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is a result of some of the oppression that you're talking about. You know, I don't know if you've seen on LinkedIn, but there's like this, um, these two magazine covers and one's for girls and one's for boys. And the girls one is like, oh, how to get the perfect hair. And like, are you ready for a boyfriend? And all this kind of stuff. It's like aimed at, you know, tweens. And then the boys one, and it's got like this photo of this, like, you know, really pretty girl or dressed up and whatever. And then the boys one is like, you know, take over the world, learn science, how to do this, how to do that. And it doesn't even have a photo. Like it doesn't even have an image. And I'm like, that is everything that is wrong with our society. Right the world, just right there. The yeah. world, like that is exactly 
true and it's like women are brought up to be perceived that like to perceive that there's something missing there's something lacking there's something you know that we're not worthy and I think men are brought up to you know compete in healthy environments and they're brought up to um you know to be like it's considered good to be bossy or the boss you know and yeah so I think that there's a lot a lot to be said about that I think so. I think you're right. And I think you know, the other thing I've written about before um, for B&T, which one of the industry publications um, picked up a, a piece I wrote was about perfectionism being a, what I call a female disease, you know, kind of essentially, um, you know, th- that sort of whole, you know, sort of there's the sort of whole part about, you know, being um, brought up to, you know, kind of be, you know, kind of not heard in a way um, as a female and to, you know, that, that you're supposed to be sweet and smile and, you know, not not bossy and not sort of, you know, overly loud or overly, you know, kind of self-promoting of yourself and your skills. But then the other one is that in workplaces, we're kind of, we're really driven by perfectionism. And I think that, you know, one of the things, the biggest things I've learned, I guess, through having kids and, and running a business and having so much of things going on is, is, is I've had to learn to know when good enough is good enough, you know, that, that actually sometimes, you know, I don't need to do things to 110% that there are situations where it's, you know, done is better than, than not. So um, I think that's also something that really holds a lot of women back as a sort of, you know, drive, you know, to perfectionism. And I think that we kind of all need to get over that a little bit, um, you know, if we really want to, to succeed. Totally. And nothing is ever going to be perfect. Right. Like, and I think that's, I think it's true, like physically as well as, um, as well as like in our work, it's like, we feel like we've got to be perfect physically and in our work. And it's just like, it, you know, it, perfection is never going to happen. Like just take it as you are and you're worthy of doing the thing, you know, um, just as you are. And it's funny you were saying that thing about that, you know, girls should always be, be nice and everything. Cause I was brought up on the motto that like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. That's, that's so true. I mean, <laughs> and you know, look, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, men, um, probably, you know, in, 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 boys in certain households probably sort of hear similar things but I think that I think that um I don't know something about women where we we often really take that to heart you know we really you know view our 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 role to be kind of peacemakers and 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 the kind of connective tissue and families and and you know kind of to always be happy and smiling and and you know it's it's difficult if you're launching a business or going out on your own then you know self-promotion is one of the most difficult things to do particularly if you're more of an introvert like I am um that's one of the things I've had to really kind of just swallow my pride to be able to do is to post awards we've won or you know kind of write articles um about the industry just to really put you you have to put yourself out there so you have to be prepared for that yeah it's so true but it is it is really important and not just I think in your own business but I think you know in organizations um when you know to get into a leadership position you have to become like a bit of an entrepreneur right and like actually Mm. build your profile within the business and become visible within the business itself um even just to get into a leadership role and I think that a lot of women do struggle with that a lot and I did I personally really struggled with that um I got thrown into like a few presentations really early on in my career where you know like you're just not ready for it it's just like you're just sitting at your desk working they're like oh let's bring you in (laughs) and then like and then you're like oh I'm the spot and fumbling through it and that really put me off and then um after about like another few years of just being like I'm never presenting again I realized oh god I've got to present if if I want to get anywhere and so then I just made it my mission to like present as many times as I could so I was like literally like 
you know, it's going to suck at first, but then I'm just going to do as many presentations as I can just to get over it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I've been like that. I mean, I, uh, my poor daughter has been made to do public speaking since she was five, you know, because I was like, well, if you can just do this, you know, you, you do it from when you, your childhood, it comes naturally to you. It's sort of, it's not this thing that you have to kind of take up, um, you know, in your um, adult life and be kind of like really overwhelmed by, you know, it's one of the key skills that will really, you know, kind of really assist you in life is to be, um, be able to stand up in front of an audience and, and speak confidently and present. And it's, you know, it's such a gift for those people who can do it naturally, but if not practice, 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 it's just about doing it more and more. Oh, totally. And I think even the people that, that, you know, do seem to be naturals, I think they're just, they look like that because they've done it so many times. you <laughs> <probably> right. <laughs> Amazing. So um, what are you currently working on and where can people go to find out more about you and more about um, Storiation? Well, we're just uh, working away on um, what we do at Storiation, which is a large amount of digital content for brands. It ranges from you know, Microsoft to BHP to Tourism Australia. And um, we were late last year, the agency um, was acquired by a subsidiary of New Scorp Australia called Medium Red. So we've been working on the kind of integration of those two businesses. Um, it's been a, a tricky year to do that with COVID and all of those things. Um, but we're really excited about what, what the future holds for the business because of it, because, the, you know, they have a number of um, really big content marketing brands, including Qantas and Coles. And um, I think a lot, a lot of our clients can really learn from their clients. So um, that's been an exciting um, time. Um, um, and I guess, yeah, those, those are the kind of key priorities at the moment. And anybody who wants to know more about Storiation can just uh, go to our website or I'm, I'm relatively um, active on LinkedIn, you know, trying to um, do my best Cheryl Sandberg and, and um, put myself out there. So, um, you know, feel free to connect with me there. I love it. And I think you're an amazing agency. I am slightly biased because my husband is your, um, <laughs> your digital strategist. <laughs> That's right. We should just have a little disclaimer there. Yeah, little disclaimer, but, you know, still amazing, amazing agency that does really incredible work. So, yay, thank you so much for being on. It was really, really, I think this this is one of my favourite episodes. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, and thank you so much for sharing your experience with everyone. I think people will get a lot out of this episode. Thanks for having me on the show. I currently have a waitlist until February 2021 to work with me one-on-one -on -one in my four-month career pivot coaching series. I'll be working with a limited number of private clients, so make sure you get in quick so that I can save you a spot if you've been thinking of working with me to pivot your career. I've helped many professional women in Australia and around the world to get crystal clear on a career that will align with their values and provide them with deep purpose and fulfillment, as well as earn an abundant income and to bring this to life. Book in a free confidential 20-minute discovery call to find out if we are ideal to work together. Just go to my website at becksands.com and schedule a call. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks so much for listening. And if you loved this episode, please share it with your friends and leave a review. You'll find a link to this episode and all of the show notes at becksands.com forward slash podcast. While you're there, make sure you sign up for my free weekly email newsletter where I share loads of practical advice for making your career pivot. Remember, you deserve to do work in the world that you love. Until next time, have an awesome day. Bye.